So we continue the Gemara today on Dafayin Ches Amid Aleph towards the bottom of the Amid where it says, Amar Rav Yehuda, Amrul Ifnei Rav Gamliel. So this goes back to the Mishnah. What is the Mishnah discussing here? Mishnah is discussing the Allah of Nichsei Melog when a wife brings properties into the marriage and. The husband has the right to eat the fruits of those properties, but the principal, the properties itself, belongs to her. So the Mishnah discusses what happens if she decides to sell them. Does the sale take effect or not? So the Mishnah discussed many different types of scenarios, I think four or five different scenarios when she sells these properties. If she got it before Edison, and she sold it after Edison, she got them after Edison and sold it then, or she got it before Nisuin, before the full marriage, and she sold it after Nisun, a bunch of different cases that the Mishnah spoke about. So in the beginning of the Mishnah, it said that there was a machloikis between Beishamah and Besilol if she got these properties before Edison, and then she sold it after Edison. So Beishamah says that she has the right to sell it at that point. Besilol says she cannot sell it, but if she sold it, it takes effect. Then the Mishnah said, Amr Rabbi asked, Rabbi Gamliel, that if a person has the zechus in his wife and herself, why should he not also have the zechus to stop his wife of selling her properties? That was the question that they asked Rabbi Gamliel. Because the fruits. Right, because since he has the rights to eat from the fruits, so he should be able to stop his wife as well to sell these properties. So now it's not clear exactly regarding which halacha or which opinion did the Chachamim ask this question. So the Gemara says, So the question was asked, what's the pshat in the Mishnah here? Rabbi Yehuda al-Khatkhila is Rabbi Yehuda is saying that the Chachamim asked this question on Beishamai's opinion. Beishamai say that Khatkhila she can go and sell these properties. Or Oya Diyeved. Or are they asking the question on the Bidiyeved, which is what Basil said? Basil said she cannot sell these properties if she got it before the Edison. But Bidiyeved, once she sold it, it takes effect. So on what halacha uh, were they asking this question? This is Rashi's Pshat in the Gemara. There's a very long taste for here. Places has a different shot in the Gemara, but this is Rashi's shot. So the Gemara is like Toshima. We pretty clearly we see here in a Braise, it, it, it says what the question was. The Tanya the Braise says Amr Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said Amru Lufnei Rabbi Gamliel. The Chachamim asked Rabbi Gamliel about this. Hoyel v'zu ishtoi v'zu ishtoi. Since if she's fully married to him, she's his wife, and even if she's not fully married, she's only an Arusa, she's also his wife. So zu mechrabatl. If she's fully married to him, and after the full marriage, she goes and sells one of her properties, the sale is nullified, even after the fact. Avzu mechrabatl, shouldn't we say that the same applies to a wife that's after Edison? If she sells the properties, it should also be bottle. That was the question they asked Rabbi Gamliel. So Rabbi Gamliel answers, and it said the same expression in our Mishnah before. Rabbi Gamliel said, where I'm ashamed of the halacha that you say on these new properties that she sells now, after full marriage, that it doesn't take effect. Rabbi Gamliel holds that there's no reason they shouldn't. She should have the right to sell her properties. And you're now asking me about the properties that she's selling before full marriage, from earlier, from the time of Edison. Rabbi Gamliel disagrees with this. But what do we clearly see in the Braise here? The Braise uses the expression mechra bottle, that we're speaking about once the sale was done, whether b'dieve, that sale will take effect or we will nullify it. So shmamina, so this Braise clearly shows you d'evet ka'omar, that the question of the Chachamim Terav Gamliel was about Basil's opinion after the fact, when Basil said that after the fact the sale takes effect, and at that they asked, why should the sale not be nullified? Shmamina, so this is a clear proof. Tanya and Abraisa we learned here, there's a b- bit of a different version in the question that was asked and exactly what Rabbi Gamliel asked 
answer to this that is. So in the Brice it says, Omer Abchanine ben Akavya. Abchanine ben Akavya said that This is not what Rabbi Gamliel answered Chachamim the way it says in our Mishnah. This expression that we just said before, that's not what he answered. Rather, this is what Rabbi Gamliel answered. So Rashi explains, it wasn't, it's not necessary for Rabbi Gamliel to give the answer that I'm ashamed of the fact that you're allowed to sell the fields after full marriage. He answered something more logical, and he said as follows, even if you're going to say that after he's fully married to her, so now he, she can't sell her properties, and maybe even after the fact will nullify the sale. The reason is she came, he has much more of, uh, of uh, ownership over her. She came by La Zakai The husband is the one that has the privilege to get all of the items that she finds, all of her income, the husband is the one that nullifies her vows. So if he has all of these rights over her, so at that stage, if she sells her properties, it's logical to say that he could nullify the sale. However, if it's after the first stage of marriage, he doesn't get any of her mitzvahs, he doesn't get her incomes, he cannot nullify her vow on his own. At that stage, he has to nullify the vow together with the father. So at that stage, he doesn't have all of these rights over her. So who says that he should be able to nullify the sale of her property? So therefore, there's no comparison, Bakhlaw. That's what Rabbi Gamliel was saying over here. Amrulai, so they said to Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi, So how about if she sold the property, Achalinisis? So, second, what is the Machra Achalinisis, yes, now without the word law, Machra Achalinisis, if she sold the property before the full marriage, and then Nisis, and then she got married, so we have two different cases over here. There's one case that she sold it before the full marriage, mm-hmm. and or she sold, she first was fully married, and then she sold it. Mm-hmm. Maho, what's going to be the din then? So before, the discussion was, if she sold it, she got those properties from before the Edison, and then she sold it after the Edison. But what's if she sold it after the Edison? Maho, what's going to be the halacha? Omar Luhu, Gamliel said, over here as well, if she goes ahead and sells it, after the fact that she sold it already, the sale will take effect. So they asked Rabbi Gamliel, the same question they asked him. If over here, now the question of Rabbi Gamliel is, now this is ready after the full marriage. So now he has full rights over her. So shouldn't he also have the right to stop her selling this property? So Rabbi Gamliel answered them, over here he gave this answer. I'm embarrassed about the fact that he's saying that a property that she received after the Nisuin, that she cannot have, she doesn't have the right to sell that. So for sure, a property that's Yishonim, that she got from before the full marriage, for sure she shouldn't have the right to sell this. So there's, there's two different, according to this version of the Braise, there were two different answers Rabbi Gamliel gave. One answer he gave to explain why at the stage of Edison she can't sell the property, because by Edison she, she's not fully in his control, he doesn't have rights over her as much. And then the second question they asked him was regarding after Nisuin, when she gets the properties from before Nisuin and she sold it after Nisuin. Even then, Rabbi Gamliel says, I still think that if it was sold, that the sale should be nullified. It's now, the, the Lashen that it says over here in the Braise is that Rabbi Gamliel said, they were discussing with him what happens if it was already sold. 
should the sale be nullified or not? Okay, so now the Gemara says, but if you go back to Rabbi Gamliel, the way it was quoted in our Mishnah before, but in the Mishnah, Rabbi Gamliel's opinion about this was quoted differently. There it says, if she got these properties before full marriage and then she's fully married and now she sells it, Rabbi Gamliel says, if she sold it, then this, the, the, the sale takes effect. Okay, so let me just switch what I said a moment ago. The stira, the Gemara is asking over here is, go back to the Lashon of the Braise before. The Lashon it says is, Avzu kayam, that even after full marriage, she can go ahead and sell it, give it as a gift, and it'll take effect. What did it say in our Mishnah? Rabbi Gamliel said, only bidiyevet. If she sold it after the fact, then we will not nullify the sale. So the question is, what's Rabbi Gamliel's opinion after Nisuin? L'chadchile she's allowed to sell it? Or only be the Yavid. What does she give gift? Same thing. Amr um, Avzvit, Avzvit answers that you're going to have to change the gears in our Mishnah. Tni, Moicheres, Venesenes, Kayam. You have to learn in our Mishnah that, that she can go ahead and sell it and give it as a gift and it'll take effect. Okay, so this is, um, there's a Machlaikas actually in the Rishayim about this. There's a Taisvis over here because we have a steer between the Mishnah and the Braisa whether only Bidiyevet or even L'Chadchila. For some reason, according to Rashi, the Gemara is saying, change the gears of our Mishnah and say that she could sell it L'Chadchila. But it's not clear why we would have to change the gears in our Mishnah. Maybe change the gears in the Braisa. Usually our Mishnah is more Meduik. So maybe you should change the gears in the Braisa and say that in the Braisa read, that Rabbi Gamliel only said that Bidiyevet she could sell it. Not only that, according to this, it would actually come out that Rabbi Gamliel is following Beishamai's opinion. Beishamai is the one that said in the beginning of the Mishnah, Timkar, the she can go ahead and sell it. So it's very interesting that uh-huh. Rabbi Gamliel goes with Beishamai. So therefore there are other Rishayim that say, there are greatest in the Gemara, that the Gemara is changing the gears in the Braise, that only Bidiyevet could she sell it, like Beishilol uh-huh. said, and not L'Chadchila. Okay, so those, those are the two gears here in this Gemara. Second. Rav Papa, Rav Papa says, Loikashia, the contradiction between our Mishnah and the Braise, whether she could L'Chadchila sell it. Or only be the Yevet is not a question. Ha Rabbi Yehuda Ali with Rabbi Gamliel and Ha Rabbi Chanina ben Akavid Ali with Rabbi Gamliel. There are two opinions that are telling us what Rabbi Gamliel's opinion is. We see in the Mishnah, the Mishnah brings that both Rabbi Yehuda had a discussion about this with Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Chanina ben Akavid had a discussion with this. So Rabbi Yehuda says that according to Rabbi Gamliel, only Bidiyevet could she sell it. That's what it says in our Mishnah. Bidiyevet, after the fact, then the sale takes effect. But Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya says she has the right to go ahead, L'Chadchile, to sell it. And that's what it said in the Braise. Says the Gemara, but if so, Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya Shamai? Does that mean that the way Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya is learning Rabbi Gamliel's opinion, that that follows Beishamai? Rabbi Gamliel never go, would never go according to Beishamai. We never paskin like Beishamai. Again, Beishamai is the one that said in the Mishnah that she has the rights to go ahead and sell it. It's Beishil that said that only Bidiyevet after the fact the sale takes effect. That argument between Beishamai and Beishil was even after Edison. How much more so even after Nesuin, when she's fully married, for sure only according to Beishamai could she sell it. So how would we say that Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya goes according to Beishamai? Says the Gemara, Hachikama. This is what Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya is saying. That That really, Beishami and Besil never argued about this. Everybody would agree, according to Rabbi Gamliel, that Shilachatchila has the right to go ahead and sell these properties, and that's even after the Nisuan. Gemara now brings another opinion here. Rav Shmuel Domri Tavayu. Rav Shmuel both said, Whether she got these properties before Edison, 
or she got these properties after Edison, Vinicius, and now she's fully married. Not only does she not have the right to go out and sell it, but even after the fact, the sale is nullified and the husband could come and confiscate them from the buyers. Says the Gemara, come on, according to whose opinion is this? The like Rabbi Yehuda, the like Rabbi Chanina. Rabbi Yehuda said that Bidiyeved, after the fact, the husband can't confiscate it from the buyers. Rabbi Chanina ben Akavya said that even Lachatchila, the wife, could go ahead and say and, and, and uh, sell it. Rabbi Shmuel is saying that even after the fact, he can go and confiscate it. Whose opinion is this? Says the Gemara, in the Amri Rabbi Seinu. Rabbi Shmuel are following the opinion of our teachers that is taught in the Brayse. The Tanya Rabbi Seinu, Chazru Venimnu that after this whole discussion, all the different opinions about this, the rabbis took again account to see what they're going to pass him. And then they passed him, whether she got these properties before Edison. She got it after the Edison and then she got fully married. And she goes and sells these properties. The sale does not take effect. The husband could confiscate these properties. Which, which day is that? Rabbi Seinu. Then it said in the Mishnah that once she's fully married, that everybody will agree that the husband could stop her from selling these properties. Says the Gemara, Does this mean that what it says in our Mishnah is a raya to what we once learned before, something that in Usha, when the Chachamah were in Usha, they instituted. So seemingly, over here what it says in our Mishnah is the same thing that they instituted in Usha. That an Usha Chachamim instituted, and they spoke about this subject. A wife that sells the Niximalog, these properties that she inherits, and the husband eats the fruits of it, and she sells it in her, in her husband's lifetime, and she passes away. So now, after her, his wife passes away, the husband can take these properties away from the buyers. So seemingly, that's the point what it says here in the Mishnah, that if she's fully married and she sells these properties, the husband can come and confiscate it. Says the Gemara, it's not the same thing. In our Mishnah, this entire concept that we're speaking here in our Mishnah, that the husband can stop her from selling it or can confiscate it after the sale, that's Bechayeho. That's in her lifetime. And the reason is because while she's still alive, the husband has the rights to eat the fruits from these properties. So therefore, he can say that by you selling these properties, even though the principle, the properties itself belongs to you, but you're taking away my ability to have the benefit of the fruits. So therefore, Chachamim gave him the ability to stop the sale or to confiscate the properties. Takonas Usha, however, what, what in Usha they confiscated is something else. Begufa Shalkarka, regarding the property itself, Ula Usually a husband will inherit his wife. After she passes away, whatever properties she owns, the husband will inherit. Now, but without this Takona of Usha, I would say, if she sold the properties before she passed away, he has nothing to inherit. In Usha, they, they were Misakin, they instituted that if she sold it in his lifetime and then she passed away, he will be able to go and confiscate the properties itself from the buyers. So that's a different halacha, that's a new takana that does not say in our Mishnah. Then it said in the Mishnah, another opinion about this whole entire subject, what properties could she sell or not? Rab Shimon Chaylik Bein Chasim. Rab Shimon made a difference, depends what the properties are. The Mishnah said that Rab Shimon said that if it was properties that were known to the husband, you do in, he knew about these properties that she's receiving them, so then she can't sell them. But if the husband did not know about these properties, so then she should not sell them, but if she sold it, the sale takes effect. So the Gemara wants to understand exactly what is known, what does it mean known, not known. 
What are those that are known to him that we say that she cannot sell, and what are those that she that are not known to him and she could sell? Or be the Evid, if sale takes effect. means If she's inheriting properties, pieces of land, so then those are things that the husband knows about. And Rashi explains, the point over here is that because he knows about them, so it's sort of with this condition that he married her. He married her knowing, oh, she's a rich woman, she owes all these properties, and therefore I'm going to be able to use it. So he's waiting that he's going to marry her and he's going to be able to use these properties or maybe even one day inherit these properties. So therefore those that he knows and is expecting to get, she can't sell. But she'enin yuduan means metaltlin. If she has any valuables that she brings into the marriage and he doesn't has no idea about them, so the condition of the marriage, he's not thinking about these valuables that he has no clue about. Rabbi Yechanan and Rabbi Yechanan has a different interpretation. Elu ve'elu yuduan hein. That whether it's karka or it's uh, metaltlin, if he knows about it, so then he's expecting to use it and have it. But what do we consider to be something that's unknown to him? If this person is living here, and she inherits something, some kind of a Yerusha overseas, and he has no idea about this, that's what we consider to be unknown to him, and he's not expecting to get this. We learned this in the Braisa as well. What's considered to be properties that are unknown to him? If she's living here, and she inherits properties overseas, that's something the husband has no idea about and doesn't ever expect to receive. There are some Rishayna that say that the Gemara doesn't have to be taken literally, that has to be overseas, but anytime you know that she receives some kind of an inheritance of a property and the husband has no clue about this, so that's something that he can't stop her from selling even after the marriage. There was a woman who was getting married, she wanted to distance or take away these properties that she's inheriting from her husband. She knows she's getting married and now her husband automatically will have her rights over these properties. And after she passes away, the husband will be the one that inherits it. So she wants to make sure that her husband does not get these properties. So what does she do? She wrote a star that she's selling her properties to her daughter. So it's not hers. So her husband doesn't get it. Then what happened, now, now an important point over here, Rashi says that when she wrote this star to her daughter, so in the Gersa that we have in our Rashi here is, she notified witnesses when she wrote that star that it's not a real gift. I'm only giving it to you as a gift in order that my husband should not inherit it. But then if, 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 uh, if my husband passes away, or if, uh, yeah, if my husband passes away or I get divorced, so then I, I will get the properties. And then, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, he made it clear. That's what Rashi says. Toysus disagrees, though. And all the Rishayim basically disagree with Rashi. And they all say, no, that he, 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 she did not bring any Adam to say that this uh, sale is not serious. He, she just wrote that I'm giving it as a gift to my daughter. And that's it. But let's see what happened over here. Yeah, but even according to Rashi, it wasn't a clear tonight that was written into the Shtar. Wasn't written anything in the Shtar. The Shtar just says, I'm selling this to my daughter. She told it to Adam. According to Teisvis, most Rishayim, she didn't even say to Adam either. She just was having this in mind. This is what she was thinking. So let's see what the Gemara says. What happens now? In Sava, she got married. And then Vigrisha. Now she got divorced. She wants to take back these properties. But what happens now? The daughter did not want to give the mother back the property. She says, it's my, you, you sold it to me. So they came to Rav Nachman with this Dintayda and she pulled out the star. She saw, uh, the, the daughter showed the Bezdin, the star, that it belongs to her. Rav Nachman tore the star and says, this star is worthless. So what happened over here? No star. 
Azal Rav Anon, Mar Okve. Rav Anon went in front of Mar Okve and, and complained about this Psaka Rav Nachman. Amalei Chazi Mar Nachman Chaklo. Look, Rav Nachman is acting like a, like, like a farmer. He's paskening a din, tearing a star. How can he do such a thing and tear a star? Okay, so he says, Heichi Mikra Shtar Adinshi. How does he tear a star of people? Amalei, so Mar Okve says to Rav Anon, Emily, easy. Tell me, according to one interpretation, easy means my friend. Tell me, my friend, what exactly happened here? She told him the whole story. This wife, she gave the star that it belongs to the daughter, and then now she got divorced and she wants to take the properties back of her daughter. So Marukva says, if so, what he did was right. You're saying this kind of a star, which is only being written to take away the properties from the husband, that's not a serious sale, that doesn't belong to the daughter. Shmuel says that I've been given the ability to paskin alochis, and the alochah that I paskin is, if a star mavrachas comes to me, and now this person that has this star wants to keep these properties for himself, I would tear the star. So over here as well, the star does not the, the properties that is does not belong to the daughter; it belongs to the it belongs to the, the wife. <coughs> so Rav says to Rav Nachman, but not necessarily could we apply the psak din of Shmuel to our case. Why not? Time and my sorry. The reason why. Shmuel said this is a person would not leave things away from himself to give away things and just give it to somebody else like that. The fact that you have a star, that a person is just giving away his properties to someone else, it's clear that it's only being done because he doesn't want someone else to get these properties. So this is again what's called a star mavrachas. But maybe Shmuel only said that if you're giving the properties away to someone else, avalabrata. But in this case, when a mother gave it to her daughter, so Yahiva, maybe the mother gave it to her own daughter. Maybe the mother did want a thing to give it to the daughter without any condition to take it back. So the Gemara says, no, I feel the nevertheless. The halacha of Shmuel applies here as well. Even if it's your own daughter, but this mother for herself, she wants it for herself rather than giving it to her daughter. And therefore it's clear that the star was written as a star mavrachas. So as I mentioned before, there's a machlekes between Rashi and Tesis, what we're speaking about over here. So the Rishayim say, according to Rashi, that there were witnesses that were there. She said clearly to the witnesses that this whole star is only being written to take away properties away from the husband. So it would be, it's a very big pella, how you learn Pshat and Skemara. Why was Rav Onan so shocked that Rav Nachman tore this star? There were Adam here that she said to them clearly that I'm only doing this to take it away from my husband. So therefore, most Rishonim say that there was no Edim. You look at the star, it looks like a clear star. And usually we have a cloud, Dvarim Shebelei Dvarim. Whatever you're thinking about in your heart is worthless, and you wrote a star. It doesn't make a difference that you were thinking this. And the Chiddush and Argamada regarding this star, Mavrachas, is that Taisva says over here that even that it's not considered to be Dvarim Shebelei. It's, it's so clear to everybody. It's, a, it's, it's just a Gili Milse. Everybody understands that that's what she meant to do. And therefore, even though she never specified it clearly, there's no Edom, there's no Tnai, but nevertheless, this Shtar Mavrachas is not a full sale. Like the mother asks, we see this discussed in Abraise, there's Tanoim that speak about this story here. 
if a wife wants to distance her properties from her husband. What does she do? She writes a star pasim, which is basically the same idea that we're speaking about. A star mavrachas. Rashi says pasim means a star of appeasement that she's appeasing. In other words, she's writing to somebody here. I'm giving you these properties, but she doesn't really mean it. It's just to take it away from her husband, and it takes effect. It will accomplish what it has to accomplish. It will take away this property from the husband, even though the sale is not a full sale. But Chachamim say, if you're going to write such a star, then you have a problem. Because then, this buyer that got this star can go and laugh at this wife that wanted to take it away from the husband, and she can keep it. Mm-hmm. You have to clearly write into the star itself. I'm selling you this property from today, and when I will agree, the sale should take fully effect. Ah. But if you're not going to write that condition into the shtar, then it will not take effect. So now, from the Chacham's opinion, we clearly have a question on what Shmuel said. Time the cost for The reason why this would take effect, and she can she can then take the properties back to herself, and it shouldn't be a full sale. Only if you write that clearly as a condition. But if you did not write this clearly, the lekeach will acquire it and will laugh at the at the wife and take it for herself. So how did Shmuel say that every star mavrachas I would go and tear it even without having a condition written clearly into the star? answers This is not a question. If we see when Shmuel said that when you have a star mavrachas that we know that the sale did not take effect really. That's if she wrote all of her properties for her daughter or for anybody else. Over there, it's clear that she meant only to take it away from the husband. Why would a person give everything away? And over here, in this Braise, it's speaking about a person that, or a wife that's giving away some of her properties to someone. So over here, because it's some of it, if you're not going to clearly write that it's just for uh, taking it away from the husband or making a condition only if I agree that the sale should take effect, so then it will take effect because over here, if it's some of it, it could be that it's a real sale. Frakt the another question here. What does it come out from what Shmuel is saying? This shtar mavrachas, we tear the shtar and we don't allow the buyer to keep these properties. That, that's not true. But on the other hand, though, it does accomplish to take away these properties from the husband. Frakt the Gemara, why? V'i like kanini lekeach, if he's saying that the sale does not take fully effect. And the lekeach will not acquire them. Sev so nikanini ba. So shouldn't the husband then have these properties for himself? It doesn't take effect for the Lekeach, so it should go back to the husband the way it's supposed to be. So Abaye said, The Chachamim considered this to be like those properties that are unknown to the husband, and the husband did not marry her with the condition thinking that he's going to get these properties. Since we see that she's selling these properties off to someone else, even if only temporarily, but it's like those properties that the husband does not expect to receive, and I'll leave it at like the opinion of Rab Shimon that was quoted in the Mishnah, then in such a case, the husband, sorry, the, the, uh, the wife, that is, has the ability to take it away from the husband. Okay, let's go a little bit weiter, if that's okay. Yeah, go. next Mishnah. Go ahead. Mishnah, what happens if she inherits? Again, we're all talking about that concept of Nixim Malug. She gets properties or monies. Over here, she got money. So what is, so again, the halacha of Nixim Malug is the principle, the, the, the property itself, the guf, the, the keren, belongs to the isha. But the paytas, whatever pro, produce comes out of it, profit, that goes to the husband. So if she gets money, so now this money as well, the, the, the paytas of it would have to go to the husband. Now how do you have paytas regarding money? So what do you do? You lock a bank, you take this money that she inherits, 
she brings him to the marriage, and you buy a, a property with it, and and then he can eat the paytas of this property. Paytas, atlushim and akaka, if she brings into the marriage a bunch of fruits, which are already detached, so also, you you buy with the, you sell these fruits, and you buy a piece of land, and the husband will be able to use the paytas of this, uh, of this karka. So again, the halacha always is, no matter what she gets, you have to buy a piece of land, in order to make fruits available for the husband to use. Um, what if she brings into the marriage paytas that are that are attached to the ground? So now the question is, what's the status of these paytas? Amarab Meir, so Rabbi Meir says the same thing. Because these paytas already grew before they entered into this marriage, so Shamanisa, so therefore we have to evaluate the value of these paytas, and how do you evaluate it? You evaluate the property, what's its value with the paytas, and what's its value without the paytas, and then that money that you, that you can make by selling this, you have to take it and buy another property, and again, the husband will eat, you'll buy with it another land, and the husband will eat the paytas of this property. So the point over here, according to Rav Meir, is that because these paytas grew in her possession before they came into the marriage, so therefore these paytas are like the principle itself. This is the keren. This is what she's bringing in. This is the item itself that she's bringing into the marriage. So then that itself, you have to sell and buy a property. The Chachamim say, If she brings paytas that are attached to the ground into the marriage, shaloi. So then those paytas, we consider those paytas to be his since they're attached to the ground, so then we say it's the ground itself, it's the karka, which is the keren. The paytas do not have a halacha of keren, because she's going to keep the karka itself. So even though she's bringing the paytas with the karka into the marriage, but the paytas are going to be his, we're going to say right away that he can eat those paytas all for himself, and it's the karka that she keeps. You don't have to go and sell the paytas and then buy another karka. The paytas will be his. Only the paytas that are detached from the ground, that is hers, and the Yulakach ben Karka, and then you're going to have to go and buy a piece of land, and he eats the paytas from this. Rabshimen says, now Rabshimen is going to say something that's basically the same as the Chachamim, but he just puts it in different words, or the Gemara is going to explain what's the difference between the Chachamim and Rabshimen. But Rabshimen says as follows, in a situation where his power is stronger when the, the, uh, the money that she brings into the marriage is, uh, is uh, to his benefit. And what is he talking about over here when, the, when it's to his benefit? That she brought the paytas into the marriage and the paytas are attached to the ground. And because the paytas are attached to the ground, so we say that the ground itself is hers, the karka is hers, and the paytas is fully his. We're not going to sell the paytas and only give the fruits of a new karka that you buy to him, but the paytas is fully his. So that's what Yafa Koychay Beknisasa means. We're talking about a property that has fruits attached to the ground. So over here, according to Rab Shimon, like the Chachamim said, the fruits are going to be fully his. That's Yafa Koychay. So then, Hura Koychay Bitsiyasa. So when, when he divorces her, or she, is, or she leaves his, his, his uh, possession, so then his, his power will be weaker. What does it mean his power is going to be weaker? She is going to take the entire property, including with the paytas, everything. She gets everything. On the other hand, if it's a situation that the fruits that she's bringing into the marriage, his power is weaker. Why is his power weaker? Because here we're talking about fruits that are detached from the ground. So if they're detached, she doesn't get the fruits itself. You're going to have to sell those fruits and he only gets from the property that's bought 
only the fruits of that new property. So he doesn't get those fruits fully. So then, when he divorces her and I have fruits that are detached from the ground, she doesn't take those fruits. He keeps those fruits and she just takes the karka itself. But the price is, the mission here that it spells out. When you have peris that are attached to the ground, so and when they come into the marriage, that's fully his. When he divorces her, she takes the entire property with the fruits. But when they come into the marriage and there's detached fruits from the karka, so then when they enter into the marriage because they are detached from the ground, so the peris itself are hers, and you're going to have to sell them, and he only gets the fruits of the new property that's bought from these peris. And then if he divorces her, when, it, when there are fruits that are detached from the ground, he gets to keep them. She only gets the karka itself. So let's see a little piece of the Gemara here. Zakta Gemara Zay. When it comes to what the Mishnah says here, let's say she comes in with a big bank account, and it's a lot of money, and we're going to have to buy a piece of karka for the husband to be able to eat the fruits. What kind of karka are you going to buy? Now there'll be, there could be an argument between the husband and wife. What kind, of, what kind of a karka should we buy? So the Gemara says, the, the, the halacha is going to be obvious as follows. If there's an argument, should we buy with this money a piece of land in order to, to plant it and to grow produce, or bati, to buy a house with it? So what's more beneficial, that the husband could have the benefits of this? Ara, we buy a piece of land. Rashi says the benefit of buying a piece of land is two things. First of all, there's more produce, you'll have more profit from a piece of land where you're going to be able to plant there than a house. And second of all, a house is something that eventually deteriorates and gets destroyed. Whereas the piece of land itself does not get destroyed as, a, as much as a house. Bati vidikli. If there's an argument whether they should buy a house with this money or they should buy a palm tree. So bati. Over here you buy a house because a palm tree eventually dries up quicker than the deterioration of a house. Dikli v'ilani. There's an argument whether they should buy a, a palm tree or any other trees. Dikli. You buy a palm tree because that uh, lasts longer, I believe. Ilani v'gufni, whether you should buy trees or a vineyard. Ilani, you buy a trees, not a vineyard. A vineyard is weaker, it doesn't last as long as trees. Now, another Allah the Gemara says, if she brings into the marriage, she brings in a forest of trees, and these ziradata are some kind of a thorn trees, they, they, trees that don't give any fruits at all. Or, or she brings in a pond with, which have paytas in it. What's the paytas of a pond? Fish. A pond of fish. So now the question is, what status does it have what she brought in over here into this marriage? Is this like fruits that she brings, like detached fruits that might go directly to the husband? Or is it like the principle itself that will not go to the husband and then you're going to have to sell this in order to be able to provide for the husband his fruits? Omri la peri, there are those that say that this forest of trees that have no fruits or this pond of fish, that's considered to be like petis, that you can, you can cut it for firewood, you can take out the fish from the pond, so those are the petis that he gets from it. But there are others that say that no, this is considered to be keren, this is the principle itself, and the reason is because the trees, it doesn't produce any fruits. The same thing with the fish pond, it doesn't produce any fruits. If you empty out the fish from the pond, there'll be no more fish left over here. So the Gemara concludes like the opinion that says that there's no fruits here, Klala the Milsa, because the rule is as follows. If you have a tree that's not providing any fruits and you cut wood from it, you're going to cut the trunk of the tree. And when you cut the trunk of the tree, it's going to grow back. It's going to, the tree is going to go back. So then it's considered to be like petis because you can cut it for the wood and it's going to grow back. But if you cut it and it does not grow back, then karna. 
This is the principle itself. There are no pears over here because if you cut it, it does not grow back. And the same thing is also with the fish pond and these trees that have no fruits in it because if you take out the fish or if you cut down these trees, it's not going to grow back. It's not going to produce fish anymore. So therefore, there's no pears here. Shakos.